Super Talk Mississippi media production. You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Talk Mississippi streaming online at supertalk.fm. I legitimately had to stop and think just before we started, what day is it? Uh, It is Thursday, (laughs) and we are glad to have you along. Sports Talk brought to you every day by Mississippi Land Bank. You can find them online at mslandbank.com. Mississippi Land Bank, where they know the lay of the land. Michael Borky, what's up? Not a whole lot on this Thursday, right? Thank yeah, you. Thursday. Yeah, yeah. Were you having trouble with that too, or is it just me because I don't even really know what city I'm in right now? Uh, well, a little less than you, I would presume. But when we got to yesterday, I kept thinking, you know, it feels like it should be Friday by now. Yeah, everything's kind of dragging along this week. I know signing day and stuff, and people were all excited yesterday. But I'm ready for Christmas to to come and go. I mean, my first one with like a, a family now. So, are you ready for it to come and go or just arrive? Well, Bo, I, I guess I worded that poorly. Ready for it Hello, to Hello, friends. To I'd be like here. you to meet my good buddy Scrooge. <laughs> hey, Dad, what's up? Bah humbug over there, Borky. My gosh. Are you ready for Christmas to come and go? I'm ready for it to come. I'm ready for it to be here. I'm excited for Christmas. Never excited to see it go. Goodness. Oh. Are your uh, are your kids excited? Hey, Dad, this year? Yeah, absolutely. What's Always. um what what's the big thing that they've asked for? Not saying what they're going to get, but, but on their Christmas list, what was it? The top of the list this year? Uh, for my oldest, she's gotten into like animation, and she wants to learn how to be an animator. So we're got we, she wants a, a animation tablet, and uh, for the little one. Well, uh, what is what is an animation tablet? Is that like an iPad that you can draw with, so you get the pencil too, or is there is it something, yeah, something different like than that. that? Something like that, yeah. And there's some software in there in there that makes you, you know, that helps you, you know, learn how to do animation, basically. So she wants to draw cartoons. Uh, I think she wants to to do, do like computer stuff, like video games and stuff. That's, that's really cool. Yeah, I mean it's it's early, obviously she's only thirteen, but you know that's a that's a something I would definitely push her into. There's a lot of money to be made in that. Yeah, absolutely. So, and then you're sure younger? The little, I'm not sure what the little one, the top gift is. I have to, I'd have to go back and check. With, I know we have it. It's in the house somewhere. <laughs> but uh, we'll, see, we'll see where it goes from there. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't remember exactly her list. The, the, the older one just wanted the one big thing. The, the little one obviously came up with a huge list. There you go. Um... Borky, did your did, did baby Borky put together a list? <laughs> Man, he's Rippy. growing like crazy though. It's unbelievable how fast they grow. I mean, he get he was yeah, small to begin with. He was six eleven, so not a big baby by any stretch of the imagination. 
But it's like every day we have to toss aside one of his outfits because he doesn't fit in it anymore. Yeah. Um, I, I, yes, you. that's oh, how it works. It's terrible. Absolutely how it works. Rippy, what was on your Christmas list? Since you don't have uh, kids to buy for yet, what, what, what you, do your parents still say, hey, Rip, or hey, Brian Scott? What would you like for Christmas this year? Yeah, to some degree. Like, I still think I benefit from having younger brothers, even though they're not that young anymore. So, like, like, a th- like I'll put down a thing or two, snag it, but clothes and stuff. You you didn't ask for anything other than clothes and stuff? Uh, no, not really. I don't really have anything that I want that badly. But your mom, you, you had the conversation where your mom said, Hey, Brian, Scott. What do you want for Christmas this year? Yeah, it went exactly like that. Uh, but yes, I, I did. That's not how, how it went? I asked for a new jacket. and I th- Any particular kind of jacket? Are we talking about like Top Gun style leather bomber jacket? No, I have a bunch of like light pullovers, but I don't have like heavier casual jackets other than like I have a barber. But other than that, I don't have any like when it gets cold outside like it is right now. So you want like a puffer? I don't know what that is, but... The downfill jackets that everybody wears. Like, super lightweight, but really warm. I guess we'll have to see what Santa Santa caught on that one, man. I'll let you know December 25th. Look forward to that. I will, uh, I will He only wants it if it has a zip-up collar, though. Do what? He only wants it if it has a zip-up collar. Yeah, that'd be a big day for my Twitter account, for wherever you're listening down the hallway down there in Jackson. <laughs> We, uh, we've actually got a bunch to get to this afternoon. This is the time of year where a lot of times where things kind of slow down a little bit, uh, and it is not a slow news day. In the last hour and a half, maybe the last couple of hours, news is broken that James Wiseman, who was suspended for 12 games by the National Collegiate Athletics Association from uh, intercollegiate basketball activity, something like that, nailed it, um, is uh, headed to get ready for the NBA. Hey, there's Courtney Cronin on TV. Remember her? Oh, yeah. Maybe she'll be condescending towards Mississippi again. Oh. Yeah, she gave me my first job. Can't really. Yeah. But is that her thing? Did she talk down about Mississippi now? Oh, yeah. Yeah, the Egg Bowl and Elijah Moore's PP celebration was an indictment on the entire state. Clean up that verbiage. Urination simulation. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Uh, Anyway, I just... Didn't she now works for ESPN and is covering the Vikings? So yeah. and uh, they got a story there uh, in um, in Minneapolis with the injuries, which we will get to a little bit later this afternoon. Uh, Luke Johnson will join us on the Farm Bureau phone line coming up a little bit later. We'll talk Southern Miss signing day recap. Uh, they added a uh, commitment today, or actually, I guess uh, got a letter of intent today from Frank Gore Jr. So we're now like 20 years removed from thinking that Frank Gore was going to play in the state of Mississippi at Ole Miss, and that didn't happen. But his son, Frank Gore Jr., is going to play in the state of Mississippi at Southern Miss. We'll talk about that and other things with Luke coming up. Lee Sterling will join us for a pick segment. Bowl season begins tomorrow. Get started with the Bahamas Bowl. And uh, so we'll look at some of the bowl games with uh, Lee Sterling later this afternoon. Uh, didn't get to it yesterday, so the conversation we had with Kermit Davis earlier in the week is uh, coming up later this afternoon. Some updates on Dak Prescott's injury, uh, plus an injury that, uh, as we mentioned just a second ago, could directly impact the New Orleans Saints. Mississippi State was a bit of a unicorn last night in the Southeastern Conference in so much as they won. What a rough night in basketball for the SEC. Whew. 
I saw one of those in person with uh, East Tennessee State, ETSU, beating LSU handily in Baton Rouge. 11 was the margin at the end, but it was a 23-point game with like, oh, I don't know, six or seven minutes to play. Uh, was not impressed in the way that I thought I would be with LSU last night. Uh, Maybe the feds are finally getting to them. (laughs) I don't think that has anything to do with it. Uh, I think the fact that uh, Tremont Waters and Nas Reed and uh, Bigby Williams are not around has uh, a little bit more to do with it than uh, anything the uh, federal government might be doing. Um, You had a foul fest in Las Vegas with Kentucky and Utah in a game that ended after midnight central time, and Utah got a win. Vandy lost on the road. Tennessee lost on the road. Good call yesterday. Hey, Dad. You go, what what was it you said? Mm, Cincinnati, that's a tough place to play. Uh, and, and you talk me out of it. I should always go with your gut. Yeah, I did give you two options. Yeah. I, I gave you Tennessee as a favorite on the road or Utah as an underdog at a neutral site. And uh, turned out Utah won outright. So uh, yeah. not, not a great day yesterday for the Pearl River Resort pick of the day. We'll try and get back on track with uh, that. Couple of uh, big stories with regard to the Peach Bowl, which is the semifinal game that LSU and Oklahoma will meet, or in which they will meet. LSU, a super significant injury, as Clyde Edwards Hilaire's status for the semifinal is questionable with a hamstring injury. Ed Ogeron confirmed that last night. And Oklahoma's got three players that they have said, guys, you can't play. So three suspensions for at least the semifinal. We don't know if there are suspensions that will uh, last beyond that. And uh, a whole lot more to get to. The C Spire text line is open. 601-879-4395. 601-879-4395. C Spire, customer inspired. I love it. I'm getting an email a day right now from, uh, from C Spire about all the different great promotions they've got. Uh, that could help you close out your Christmas list. Or if you haven't even started, you could really be a hero by taking advantage of uh, a bunch of those promotions. Uh, you can find out more online at cspire.com or at your local cspire store. Um, so a bunch to get to. And in terms of aftermath for National Signing Day, I know you guys talked about it for two more hours after I bailed yesterday. Uh, nothing new on either the Mississippi State front or the Ole Miss front. Is that correct, Hey Dad, on the Mississippi State side of things? Absolutely no news. Absolutely no news. Uh, there was someone that was uh, perturbed that um, I was downplaying a quiet day yesterday in Starkville. I, I thought that was uh, an interesting take on a day where nothing unexpected happened. I should perhaps have called that a fireworks day. Ole Miss did add another linebacker after all the festivities and all that last night. And his name is? Lacavius Daniel. I hope I'm saying that right. Lacavius Lacavius. Lacavius Lacavius Potato Potato. More coming up with you. Sports Talk Mississippi just getting started on this Thursday afternoon in the Renaissance Bank Studio. John Clark Packer on the Sports Talk Mississippi Twitter feed at Sports Talk M-I-S-S. Not sure if he's being uh, sarcastic or no. He says, wow, I just turned on Sports Talk Mississippi, and Richard sure is in a jolly mood. Hey, you seem pretty upbeat today. You're in a good mood, yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. I am in a good mood. A little sleep-deprived, but it's okay. 
It happens. It's life in the big city, I suppose. Um, fast lane. Yeah, or or something like that. So let's dive in. Let's start with basketball from last night. These were the results. Utah 69-66 over Kentucky. Cincinnati 78-66 over Tennessee. Loyola Chicago 78-70 over Vanderbilt. ETSU 74-63 over LSU. Alabama said don't loop us, uh, mix us in that group. 105-87 over Samford. And then there was Mississippi State, who got a win, 77-68. It was not always pretty. They trailed by seven or eight points in the first half. It was a narrow deficit at halftime, but got it going in the second half and had some really good performances in the game last night. Hey, Dad, you were there. Yeah. What was uh, what was kind of the ebb and flow of that game last night against a Radford team that was 3-6 and six coming in? Yeah, uh, Radford, you know, has had a they've had a pretty tough schedule, but still, like you mentioned, they're three and six. But they, in the first half, were just unstoppable from three point range. Hit eleven. Well, they hit eleven in the first half. In the first half, they hit eleven three pointers and had a uh, four point lead there uh, going into the locker room. And they they were up one as the buzzer went, but they hit a three pointer at the buzzer. That was their eleventh one. But state mm-hmm. really found a way to crank up the defense in the second half. I think they held them under uh, or close to thirty percent shooting. Uh, and a huge night from MSU's front court, which it should have been. They had a, a big size advantage. Uh, but when you get, you know, 18 from Perry in only uh, 23 minutes, he played with a lot of foul trouble. Uh, then Adu gives you 17 and 12, and Woodard back 17 to back. and 9. That's three straight games he's played really, really well. Um, three in a row? I was I was yeah. only thinking about the last two. Well, he, he, he we didn't talked have, about it uh, earlier in the week. He didn't have double digits, but he had 9 and 8 against Louisiana Tech. So, I mean, gotcha. For at that point in the season, you're like, that's a heck of a game from a dude, but he's getting he seems to be getting better and better each week. Tyson Carter one for eleven in this game. Uh just mm. not a good shooting night for him, but he was seven for seven off the line. He hit a bunch of free throws uh down the stretch to sort of put the game on ice for Mississippi State. And another good game for DJ Stewart, ten points uh in his second start of the year, three assists, three rebounds. Um, like thirty six minutes. Yeah, yeah. And State has gotten to their eight and two, and they've survived the first ten games. And now Nick Weatherspoon comes back, and we'll see how much he changes the dynamic of everything uh, starting Sunday in in Jackson against New Mexico State. He is expected to start that game, correct? You know, we talked about that a little bit on the Thunder and Lightning podcast, and I, I, I expect him to start, but I don't know that I would start him if I was Ben Howland. I might, I might, you know, because I, I have that that fear that he's going to try to do too much in the first. Now, it, it would not completely surprise me if the first three shots states takes are Nick Weatherspoon threes that that don't go in. He's just going to be a little too amped up. Maybe let him come in in the flow of the game. But that said, I don't expect that to happen. I, I expect him to be the starter uh, at point guard with Tyson Carter moving over to the two. Yeah, and, and I talked to some folks late last night driving home after the game from Mississippi State, and uh, that's kind of the expectation. Said Ben Howland all but said that he would start in the game. Obviously, they're excited to get him back. Given the fact, hey, Dad, that they're really only playing seven or eight guys, mm-hmm. it probably doesn't have a huge effect on the rotation, does it? I mean, I, my guess is DJ Stewart doesn't play 36 minutes on yeah. Sunday afternoon against New Mexico State. 
Stewart, but I don't you know, know if that's a terrible thing. I mean, if if you can split the guard minutes up and and he gives you twenty eight to thirty minutes instead of thirty six, it's possible that you could get even better minutes from him. Yeah, I mean that's very fair. I, th- I think you know he and Iverson Molinar will play a few a, a little bit fewer, and Tyson Carter will play fewer too. And Carter last night, I mean he just he did look fatigued. His shorts, his, his shorts, his shots kept coming up short. I mean, that's something that, you know, when you see that, you know that he, he's just not running with a full tank of gas. He was missing open looks to him. And Tyson Carter with an open look is usually pretty automatic. Yeah. So that allowed them, you know, to, ro- you know, do some different things. You can see whether, because, but all, they've got four guys back there that can all sort of handle and run the point. Maybe Stewart's the least successful of that, but Molinar and Weatherspoon can definitely run the point and Carter can too. So you've, you you can you can mix and match and, and play some matchups there, and all those guys are, are they look like plus defenders. Molinar had two incredible block shots last night. He's really you know as a true freshman been very impressive, which is interesting because of the three true freshman state signed, he's I think he was the lowest rated guy. So it just goes to show you sometimes recruiting rankings. I mean, not that I'm a you know, stars don't matter guy, but sometimes they can be a little bit off, but. I'm interested to see the, how the rotation works, obviously. But right now, you know, the team's eight and two, and they're getting one of their best players back. You got to feel pretty good about them. If I told you, without telling you the final score, that Team A hit 15 threes, shot 47 percent from behind the arc, and only turned it over 12 times, and Team B was four of 14, shooting 29 percent from the arc, given the way that college basketball is played today. You would assume that Team A won the game. I would assume they won big. I would assume they, they won in a blowout. Yeah, but in, they in this scenario, though, Team A was Radford. They only scored 68, uh, out-rebounded by 11 in the game last night. And uh, that may have been part of the difference. Mississippi State had that, uh, 19, no, 18 offensive rebounds. Yeah, and another big, and that sort of leads to the next stat as well, though. State 25 of 30 off the line. That's going to make it. I mean, Radford's only seven of twelve off the line. Yeah, twenty-five points off the free throw line. Adu, who who came into the game shooting nine of twenty, was seven of nine, and he made his first seven. Perry was six of six from the line. Carter was seven of seven from the line. That's huge for Mississippi State. They had had they had some free throw issues against. Uh, oh gosh, Louisiana Tech. So to get that kind of performance, I mean, they got. If you're going to get to the line, you got to convert those opportunities, and they did. Up next for Mississippi State, they will play New Mexico State, the Aggies, on Sunday afternoon in uh, in Jackson at the uh, Mississippi Coliseum. You remember New Mexico State is a team that won thirty four games a year ago. They went thirty four and thirty four and five or thirty four. I think it was thirty four and five. Yeah. And at Auburn on the ropes in the uh, first round of the NCAA tournament last year. Wait, I, that's right. That's exactly right. I was thinking they won a game, and that was a second-round game. But you're right. That was the first-round game. Yeah. Uh, really tough battle for uh, for Auburn. And basically everybody's back from New Mexico State, though they have had some uh, pretty significant injuries in the uh, the early part of the season. Their point guard, who really is the guy that makes them go, um, is – I don't think he's going to play on Sunday, but has uh, has not played so far. Seven and six, though, on the year they've lost in New Mexico. They're in-state rival twice – Already this season, Rippy, as, as you've watched college basketball this season, you know we we talked at the beginning of the year about some of the rule changes, you know the flop rule that's in place, which is kind Came of silly. Played big last night in the Tennessee game. Not that it really mattered, but there was one that pretty much sealed it for Cincinnati. Now they were probably going to win the game anyway. I think it was Lamonte Turner, maybe that yeah. it happened to. 
But I noticed it happened three or four times just from doing nothing and watching television last night. Was it an offensive flop, or was it one where he was trying to take a, a charge and flopped? No, no, flopped. And tra- he was on defense. It was, a, it was a transition play, and it was right past midcourt. It was honestly kind of a bad call because there was actually contact, and uh, he got called for flopping. Mm. But I get what they're trying to do, but I don't know if this is the right – I don't know if there's a way to actually police it because you're going to have a charge – in March you're going to have some kind of block charge call – that they call it flop, and it's just going to be completely egregiously wrong, and people are going to be upset. Yeah. Uh, so that was one of the big rule changes. And the other rule change was going to Borky, the international three-point line, the FIBA line. So basically pushing it out another foot. Three-point shooting this year has not been very good kind of across college basketball. Now, don't tell Radford that. They hit 15 of them last night, obviously, <laughs> as we were just talking about. But as a general rule, three-point shooting has not been great the best three-point shooting team in the SEC this year is Vanderbilt at 37%. Interestingly enough, despite going 4-14 last night, Mississippi State is the second-best three-point shooting team in the league at 36.5%. But when the best shooting team from deep in your conference is shooting only 37% from behind the arc out of 14 teams, you realize you got some issues. The three-point shot is significantly more difficult this year. Has that been the impression that you guys have had as well in watching it all shake out? Kind of feels that way. And is it because of the line, though? I have trouble I think, buying into that. I see, know it's the only ch- variable change, but like a lot of guys shoot threes. Like even before that line was implemented, maybe it's just a touch further back and they haven't adjusted. But I, I have a little bit of trouble buying into that, and that may fly into the face of data. I'm just saying, Borky. Um, I was going to kind of say the same thing, um, but college basketball is becoming increasingly reliant on the three-pointer. Uh, I mean, every year they shoot more and more threes, and the intended goal for expanding the line was not to uh, make it more difficult to shoot threes. It was to open the floor for dribble penetration to actually encourage more two-point shooting that way, and it doesn't appear that they've done that. College basketball players aren't great shooters, and they still continue to take ill-advised, low-percentage shots. Blows my mind. Sports Talk Mississippi. More coming up with you in the Renaissance Bank studio. Renaissance Bank, understanding you. Let's go to the Farm Bureau phone line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. Luke Johnson joins us right now on the Farm Bureau phone line, and uh, he's in Hattiesburg. Luke, co-host of the Eagle Hour, Super Talk Hattiesburg, and Super Talk Laurel. Really close to Christmas. Luke, you've got uh, you've got little people, right? Uh, no, I have a little nephew. I have a, The only child I have is a six-year-old Labrador retriever, but I will be spoiling my nephew. There you go. So, so taking, what was at the top of his Christmas list? He's two years old, so his mother makes out his Christmas list. But anything with a tractor, um, or he's actually an LSU fan. So if you just start chanting the LSU fight song, he'll say either "Go Tigers" or "Go Kickers," either one. So mm-hmm. anything purple and gold, or anything having to do with a tractor, um, he's game for it. D- does he do it in the right accent? I mean, is it a uh, "Go Tigers"? Uh, I, he's still two, so you're still trying to interpret what he says half the time. But yeah, he does it pretty good. I was. I was trying to teach him to say Burrow just to, to please my brother-in-law, and he just got Joe B. That was it. 
Joe B. Well, that'll uh, that'll work. Um, let's talk Southern Miss's signing day yesterday. Uh, you know, we we spent some time yesterday on Ole Miss and Mississippi State, and just kind of the fact that that this whole early signing period, even though this is the third year that we've gone through it, almost feels like it it kind of sneaks up on you. What's your uh, what's your takeaway from Southern Miss yesterday? Um, really, just uh, a couple guys that they were able to snag late. It was a a low class for the Eagles. It's just the way the scholarships worked out. They, uh, including who they signed today, fourteen signees. Um, got seven more on the verbals. A couple of those you see if they qualify, uh, but those should finish in February. But you know, one of the things Jay Hobson said when he came to Southern Miss is that he was going to recruit high schools, and he's done that for the most part. But um, this class, uh, very different. Eleven JUCO signees and three high school guys. Um, the the few that should be noted. At the wide receiver position, um, a lot of people think Quez Watkins won't come back. Um, you lose a couple more guys like Jordan Mitchell and Neil McLaurin, so you're thin on, in the receiving core. And so uh, they were able to get Antoine Robinson, who's an all Mac Jack um, from Colin, wide receiver, about 800 yards this year. Um, and then a couple, uh, I think it was Tuesday, got a big flip. Uh, Jason Brownlee from East Mississippi, 6'3", 190, was actually first team all in uh, NJC double uh, A uh, led the country um, in catches, was second in, in yards and, and touchdowns. He flipped from Charlotte, so Golden Eagles able to snag two good um, wide receivers. Also able to get Terrence Cherry um, from uh, East Mississippi, also a defensive end, uh, second team uh, All American, uh, twelve tackles for loss this year. Uh, so it was just good on defense, um, but the. The big noise was what's going to happen at the running back position. They were able to get Don Raxdale, who was, of course, a Pisgah Dragon, and then was at Hines, and he's, he committed way back in August. But when Lane Kiffin left... Hey, let's let's press pause there just for a second. Just for a second before we go to the, the next piece of the running back puzzle. Because as we spent time with Mike Frazier on Thursdays each week of the season, every single week, without exception... As we were kind of looking back and looking ahead, Don Ragsdale's name came up. Came up, uh, you know, really a productive running back at Hines. He was. He's uh, according to a few recruiting sites, he was about he was in the top five nationally at JUCO running back. Had offers from South Florida. Had an offer from Tennessee. Um, and people remember two years ago because everybody likes Pisgah just because of their mascot. It's unique. But people remembered. How good he was in high school. He's 5'11, 210. Uh, he's one of those guys that can come in and contribute immediately. I watched him play this year when they played Jones College. He's just a solid back. Um, didn't turn the ball over that much. Um, and so Golden Eagle's really excited uh, about getting him. He's one of those uh, bell cow backs for sure. And then there was the news from earlier today, which I think is the road that you were about to go down just a moment ago with Frank Gore Jr signing yeah, his we, national letter of intent with uh, Southern Miss. That is obviously a familiar name. He's from Killian in Miami and is the son of Frank Gore, who was not only great in college but had a fantastic NFL career as well. Yeah, I mean, a, a few weeks ago when Southern Miss was playing FAU in the final game of the year, they actually had interviewed Frank Gore on the sideline, and he was said, my son's committed to FAU and, and all this stuff. Well, when Lane Kiffin went to Ole Miss, um, it, it, Frank Gore the next weekend was in Hattiesburg on an official visit. So people started mm-hmm. saying, you know, what, what might happen here? And really everything on social media 
had been pointing that he would sign with the Golden Eagles. He kind of left uh, some people in apprehension. He posted himself in a, with a picture of an FAU jersey and Southern Miss jersey. But you kept following him on social media thinking, um, you know, he kept retweeting stuff that was dealing with Southern Miss. Sure enough, this morning, uh, about 9.30 down there in Miami, he signs uh, with Southern Miss. Um, of course, you know, the genes are there. You, If you can get 80% of the tread life his father had, you, you'd be happy anywhere. Um, he's probably going to beef up a little bit. He's 5'8", uh, 170, uh, rushed for a little over 1,100 yards this year. But he's a guy that has agility. A lot of people in camps, the word on him is he, he has power five agility. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how he fits in. Um, of course, Golden Eagles do you know, have a few guys coming back. Uh, the Michael Harris graduates. But you always got to be happy when you when you get the son of a future NFL Hall of Famer. Um. No quarterback in this class. No quarterback in this class, um, which is unique because, the or at Golden least Eagles not yet, uh, not yet, but probably won't. Um, to just to be honest, the Golden Eagles uh, are losing two uh, quarterbacks to the, the transfer portal: Marcelo Rodriguez and and then also Chandler Rogers, who's who's a true freshman. But when you look down the list. Uh, you get Jack for one more year. Tate Watley uh, will be a redshirt sophomore, and then Jaden Johnson will be a redshirt uh, freshman going into next year. You got a couple more guys. Uh, I think you got two other guys on the roster, but they feel pretty good about the uh, the quarterback position because you got two guys that basically have three years in front of them. Luke Johnson on your radio. He's co-host of the Eagle Hour, Super Talk Mississippi in Hattiesburg and in Laurel. Um, what Jay Hobson have to say about this group? Uh, he just acknowledged the simple fact that it was a JUCO heavy class. It's not the, the way they really, you know, want to, to do it every year, but uh, it's just the way the scholarships fell. It, it was going, we knew it was going to be a down year anyway because of the way the scholarships um, fell. Uh, but they have some holes. I mean, especially like in, in defense, you signed three DBs in this class because you're you're losing three guys uh, in the defensive backfield. DQ Thomas, who's been basically the MVP of the nasty bunch this year. He's gone. Ty Williams at corner um, is gone. So Jay Hobson just acknowledged the simple fact they had to plug holes. Um, and so I, I think he feels really good. I think especially on the offensive side of the ball, I think Buster Faulkner and Scotty Walden are just, I mean, being able to, to grab two immediate uh, possibly starters at wide receiver Plus, you look at getting Frank Gore Jr. On the offensive side especially, um, they're happy. But there was a kid, uh, Avery Happis from, from Iowa Western. He's an All-American coming in from Iowa Western Community College. Uh, he's going to play linebacker. They got a, uh, another kid from Tallahassee, true freshman. Um, they please, good-looking kid. Jay Hobson said he looks like uh, a young Michael Bowley. Um, of course, Coach Hop, Coach Bowley when, when I was there. So, you know, I think I think from a athletic perspective, they feel like this may be uh, one of the best classes they've signed, and just the names uh, also from where they're coming from and, and what they could possibly do, uh, it makes him feel really good. In terms of ranking within the conference, Southern Miss coming in at third, Louisiana Tech with 22 commits, uh, North Texas with 18 commits, and then Southern Miss third in the league with the, uh, I guess, the 20 or 21 commits on paper, and as you said, not all of those have uh, have signed yet. Is that about the right spot for Southern Miss in terms of where they need to be uh, in terms of ranking within the conference, or is it different in Conference USA and maybe looking at rankings is not that important? 
Well, you know, even though the, the, the landscape's changed, Southern Miss really never relied on that much just because you, you got to get talent, obviously, but just their ability over the years to, to develop talent, to make, you know, coals in the, in, in the diamonds. So that's their, you know, I think that obviously you want to be in the top three or four. You, you have to be. Um, but I, I don't think they really they get caught up in that. Uh, just you, you look, you put on the tape. Southern Miss has always been known for getting a guy maybe you know two inches too short and having him turn it on and, and become something he's not. So, yeah, I, I, I think they're they're fine with that. But I think that's really probably not their concern at the end of the day. Yeah. Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming online at supertalk.fm. Luke, always appreciate your time and your insight. Uh, if we don't talk to you again, we hope uh, you and your family have a very Merry Christmas. All right, guys. Merry Christmas. Talk to you later. Luke Johnson, joining us on the Farm Bureau phone line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team. We've got more coming up with you. Sports Talk Mississippi, not quite done with the first hour of the show. We're back after this in the Renaissance Bank Studio. of Texas yesterday signed 16 players on the opening day of the signing period, and their class currently sits at number 10 in ESPN's national rankings. But at one point in this recruiting cycle, Texas was ranked third, third or fourth nationally, and so they maybe didn't close as strong as some thought they would. But that really wasn't the story out of Austin yesterday, Borky. Uh, it was a double bird salute coming from Tom Herman in the direction of a camera that was the property of Longhorn Network that was mounted in the war room. And LHN had gone to a live shot of the coach's meeting room, the war room. Apparently Tom Herman didn't know the camera was on all of the time and decided to go with the double bird salute. And we really don't know why, do we? Other than he's an idiot? I don't know. I mean, if you know there's a camera in the war room that the Longhorn Network uses, don't you just kind of avoid doing that whether or not you think it's live? I really don't have a problem with this. I just think it's fine. I mean, it's hilarious. He gave the double birds on TV. It just He's an idiot. <laughs> I do this Next to hate twice a, a week when his back is turned. But <laughs> I, I think I think that uh, I, I don't know if his reasoning was legit. I don't know if y'all saw that. He was talking, said they were telling a story about his first time as the bus was coming up on the Red River rivalry, the warm greeting you get. Hmm. Seems semi legit. Well, yeah, it does because I mean, if if you saw the There's video, no way he's looking at the camera and being like. If you saw the video, it's not like he turned and looked directly at the camera and was angry about something and boom. It was it was very animated. Like there was it was long and extended and there was some gumption to it. Which makes you think he was telling some sort of a story or something, right? Tom Herman quoted yesterday saying, uh, sorry about that. I wasn't aware that the camera in the room was on live TV. It certainly had nothing to do with LHN signing day, anything like that. But again, regardless, it was poor judgment on my part, and I do apologize for that. If it wasn't for the internet, nobody would know that even happened because nobody even gets that network. 
Remember, yeah. what was it, 2013 when Ole Miss played there and people in Texas, it was like 20% of the households in that state got the Longhorn Network? Yeah. Maybe that's why there were like 110,000 people at that game. They got nowhere else to go. Yeah, it's like uh, what the Titans do with their blackout market. I don't know if you've ever seen that. The Tennessee Titans, when they first moved to Nashville, have some kind of agreement with the local television stations to where if the Titans are on, any other game on at the same time in that market is blacked out, even if it's on a different network. You can only watch the Tennessee Titans while they are playing on Sunday at noon. So, so there's no other NFL game option to watch in Nashville. Unless you have like the Sunday ticket package or Red Zone. If you okay. just have regular cable, if the Titans are on CBS, you cannot watch the game on Fox. They black it out. Huh. Apparently yeah. it was something to do with trying to cultivate a fan base when they moved there. Because yeah, if you I mean, only the- give them the Titans, then maybe they'll learn to like you. But it still is a thing today. Yeah. Well, and I'm sure the Titans have no interest in giving that up. I mean, they like being the only game in town in terms of opportunities to view. And they've got a really good fan base. I mean, Nashville really supports the Titans. And I don't know that I've ever, you know, NFL blackout rules are, are still, those are still a thing, right? I mean, if you don't sell a game out within 48 hours or 72 hours of kickoff that's blacked out in the local market, is that, is that still a thing? I have not heard of it happening. It doesn't mean it doesn't, though. They also sell every ticket to those games. Like, even the Bucks have terrible attendance, and all of the tickets go out to somebody. The NFL's blackout policy, which has been active since the 1970s, mandates that a game must be blacked out on local television markets in the event that fewer than 85% of available seats have been sold 72 hours prior to kickoff. However, the deadline could be extended if a team believed it was close to selling out the game. Yeah, so that just doesn't happen anymore because they find ways to get rid of those things. Yeah. I mean, San Diego had that issue, son. The Saints used to have that issue. Yeah. Hey, Dad, do you remember people talking about that in, like, the 80s and 90s when the Saints were horrible? All the time. All the time. Yeah. You would occasionally have some local outfit that would go in and buy a bunch of tickets so that it could be seen on television. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, that doesn't seem to happen as much in the NFL. What if it's happened in Washington, D.C. this some this year? Their crowds have been <laughs> abysmal. They're blocking out seats by the thousands, and they still can't fill the place up. They aren't selling Sports. the tickets, so you don't have to watch on TV. Uh, I, I hear you. <laughs> Sports Talk Mississippi with you. One hour in the books on this Thursday. More coming up at the Renaissance Bank Studio. It's Christmas Hour number two with you on this Thursday afternoon, Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming online at supertalk.fm. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, and Brian Scott Rippey. Sports Talk brought to you every day by Mississippi Land Bank, online at mslandbank.com. Mississippi Land Bank, where they know the lay of the land. If you have land financing or refinancing needs of any kind, let the good folks at Mississippi Land Bank help. That's what they do. They've been financing and refinancing land for over 100 years. Find a branch location or grab the phone number on the website, mslandbank.com. A couple of big injury notes, potentially, 
in the National Football League. We talked yesterday some about Dak Prescott's shoulder injury, and there are some more details that came out last night and uh, I guess into today. According to Todd Archer at ESPN, Prescott is expected to play on Sunday against the Eagles, likely without taking any meaningful snaps in practice during the week because of a right shoulder sprain. Uh, an AC joint sprain, I believe, is what they're uh, dealing with. Uh, yeah, Prescott it's an AC limited. joint. He also has a, a throwing index finger injury and then a wrist injury on his left non-throwing wrist. So he's kind of beat up right now. Limited practice for the first time in his career yesterday. Did not take a snap. Expected not to take a snap all week long and listed as limited. But the club is just trying to be cautious with him going into a de facto NFC East championship game against the Eagles on Sunday. So Prescott did not throw during the portion of Thursday's practice that was open to the media, so earlier today, but did go through some individual drills. Jason Garrett says that Dak Prescott is progressing, but also said that the quarterback had not tested the injury much. Here was the quote from Jason Garrett. Dak has really practiced and played in virtually every game since we've gotten him, so it's a little bit different for him. That experience helps him. Obviously, he knows our offense, got great command of it, and the biggest thing we have to do is make sure he's healthy like we would with any other player. So that's a different deal in the NFL, right? I mean, the the high school football or the college football mantra of if you don't practice, you don't play, that's not a thing in the NFL. And maybe the best example we've ever seen of it was Steve McNair, who legendarily would wake up Monday morning, Tuesday morning, Wednesday morning, and barely be able to get out of bed, like would just kind of have to roll himself out of bed, wouldn't practice during the week, might go through a walkthrough on Friday or Saturday, then he'd roll out on Sunday and play at an MVP caliber level. And he did that for years. Not sure how that is for your quality of life, And this is obviously not that serious, not the same type of debilitating injuries that Steve McNair dealt with over the course of a number of years. But it's really not a big deal for a veteran starting quarterback in the NFL to not practice during the week. No, not really. It's all about mental reps and stuff. Uh, I saw, you know, making everything about the Saints today. there was video of Drew Brees after their walkthrough going through all of the descripted plays and stuff by himself on the field, and Reggie Bush said that's more important than any practice rep that he can have that week. As long as you're mentally locked in, you understand the game plan and stuff, practice doesn't really mean anything for you. So it's whether or not he can throw. Ezekiel Elliott, it was funny, we said this yesterday, uh, he said he had the exact same injury and he couldn't play and doesn't know how Dak's going to try to throw a football. So, why are you saying that about your quarterback unless it's either like galaxy brain, some kind of smokescreen, or maybe Zeke should take a few plays off from the media perspective? Wait, wait what was the Zeke quote again? He said, I'm not, I'm not quoting directly, but basically I had the same injury and I don't know how he's going to throw. Oh, yeah. Okay, so yeah, here's a version of that. Uh, first of all, Zach Martin said, knowing Dak, you'd have to kill him to get him off the field. And then Ezekiel Elliott said, I think he's just resting up by making sure that the thing is right as it can be by game time. I've dealt with some AC joints, and they're tough. I couldn't imagine having to throw with it, but I know Dak. I know his toughness. I know he'll play. 
Do we know exactly when the injury occurred? It was during the game last week. I had no idea. I watched the game, and maybe I just missed it, but I don't remember them alluding to it much. I just know that they were able to hide it pretty well because they ran up and down the field on the the Rams. I just kind of figured it was they were doing what was working, but it turns out they were kind of protecting him. Is it surprising that we've gone all the way through this season without Dak getting the new contract? No. Not 100% surprising. I mean, it's a little surprising, but it, it's my, – my guess is with Dak that he, he might have – they might have had some talks and was like, look, we, we can wait till after the season. You know, just don't want it to be a distraction. Because I, I don't think it's a distraction for, for Dak and for the Cowboys. I think it's more of a, a story that, you know, people like us are, are making. But it, it, I, I think within the franchise itself, everybody knows that deal is going to get done. Yeah. Well, and – Maybe Dak Prescott said to the Cowboys early on, we're, we're not halfway doing this deal. We're either doing the big deal or let's just not even talk about it till after the season. Yeah, very, very, very possible. There will, there will be no hometown discount. There will be no for the good of the franchise. I'm going to be paid market rate for a starting quarterback in the NFL. You know that's what's going to happen. So either pay me market rate now, but don't come at me with some $20 million a year offer. The problem is, though, if they're looking for the upper-tier type money, they would have been... Well, they gambled on him, essentially. And even though the numbers are okay, if you uh, dissect them a little bit, uh, haven't been good in moments where they matter, in games in which they matter, most of his stats have come in, in garbage time, for lack of a better term. Hasn't had a great season. They're not winning a whole lot of games compared to what the expectations were in the roster makeup. So his capital compared to, say, week three or preseason, I mean, has it gone up? If you're Jerry, are you more willing now to give him $35 million a year after the season he's had, or were you more willing to give him 35 in the preseason or three weeks in when he was lighting up really bad teams? That's okay, I, don't think, I don't think it makes one iota of difference. I mean, turning down $30 million or whatever he allegedly turned down definitely makes a difference. But the market dictates that he should get more than $30 million. Does it, though? Because where else would he get $30 million if the Cowboys let him walk? You, you, don't, you don't think that Dak Prescott could get th- north of $30 million on the open market in the NFL? I think he could get 25-ish, 20-25 range, but open market free agent quarterback... Maybe he Given, could, but what team would would do it? Yeah. Somebody would do it. Who? Somebody in need of a quarterback? That's Pick a team. But that's kind of the, the big question. But the model the, now is to draft a quarterback and win while they're on their rookie deal. I mean, that sounds great and all, but if you can get this guy in the absolute prime of his career, there are going to be teams that do that. It, it's, I think it's But it is a guy that needs a lot of help around him, and so you do have to pay that elsewhere. Every, like every, Everybody needs a lot of help around them. Look at Russell no, nobody, Wilson, man. No, nobody's going out there with me, you, and Richard as the receiving core and, you know, putting up big The numbers. Seahawks are ranked in the bottom 10 in every statistical category in the NFL, and they're 12-2. and two. I mean, I get that. I'm just saying. They don't act like they're not talented. I mean, they, they have players there. The idea that you know, the idea that somebody needs help, everybody needs help. Brady, Breeze, they all, nobody's doing it alone out there. Look, man, I'm just saying, if Nick Foles got 32.8 million as a free agent, Dak's getting over 30 yeah, million on the free agent sure. market. Uh, Very fair. But 
how many teams are actively in the quarterback shopping market now? Uh, well, Cincinnati. Does that, not, does that question not depend on who's available? I mean, you could say, well, well, part of not? it is there's teams that have investments. Like the Jags can't go get them because they're they have too much money tied up in quarterbacks now. I mean, New York. Dolphins need a quarterback. New York. Will. New York. Yeah. No, actually, no. No, they won't because they just drafted Daniel Jones. Uh, so you'll have Cincinnati, the the Chargers, Denver. maybe Denver, maybe the Panthers. So I've got four teams bidding here. I, I bet I can get over $30 million. Indianapolis? If Indianapolis could get Dak Prescott? Kind of feels yeah. like they're going to invest in Jacoby Brissett, which even though Booger McFarlane uh, will tell you that uh, he's been playing great the last few weeks, even though they've lost a bunch of games in a row. Uh, for some reason, it feels like they're going to give him a big contract, which is crazy, but they might be out. Maybe so. You would take Dak over Brissett in a heartbeat, but it certainly feels like they're going that route. The, the potential suitors are pretty small. and I mean, Cincinnati's going to get the number one pick. They're not going to go sign Prescott. They're going to go get Joe Burrow. So they're probably out. That's that's my point. Is there's there are so many teams that either have a, a young quarterback that they believe in, like the Giants, or big contracts. There's not. That's why Eli Manning's probably done because there's no suitors for him. There's not many teams that actually need a quarterback right now. Ceasefire text line. A lot of you uh, responding to this. We will uh, we'll take a look at it some of your responses to uh, the Dak Prescott conversation when we come back in the Renaissance Bank studio. Renaissance Bank, understanding you. Thursday afternoon with you, Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming online at supertalk.fm. We took last week off, but he's back. Lee Sterling from Paramount Sports, ParamountSports.com. As we roll into bowl season, we've got a couple of weeks left in the NFL calendar uh, before we get to the playoffs as well. Lee, you got all your Christmas shopping done? I did. I did. Uh, not good when you got three girls, a wife and two girls. So <laughs> I, I, I hear you. I got wife, two girls, and a son on top of that. So uh, I, I feel you. Uh, okay. Certainly. Which means you need to go did win a bunch the of these games, all, right? All the time that everything they tell you they got on sale for, for their kids? Yeah. Except if it wasn't on sale, then you definitely wouldn't be buying it, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure it always works that way, but uh, yeah. might might be onto something. Um, yeah. But but again, you just go win a bunch of these games, and it doesn't matter. You got all the cash right. in the world, and when you do that, <laughs> that money clip I send you is going to be full up by the end of the bowl season. I like that. I like my Paramount Sports money clip uh, came in the mail earlier this uh, this week. So let's dive in and, and talk about some of these uh, some of these bowl games. Uh, a okay. few of these are still um, you know a week or week and a half out. Um, Tennessee and Indiana. Tennessee's a team that got better and better as the season went yep. along. Uh, they seem awfully motivated to be in a bowl game given the trajectory of their season from where they were to where they are. But Indiana also, I would think, a team that's really motivated to play and play well in this game because they're not a program that traditionally gets to this spot. So Tennessee is a one-and-a-half-point favorite against Indiana. Okay, some ground rules, just so your listeners know what's going on this bowl season. 
okay. so many guys have hit the transfer portal. So we've had to work probably double what we did five years ago, studying who's out and watching tapes on guys stepping in for starters and, and things like that. And then we still haven't even hit the time where guys who didn't make the grade are going to get suspended. So it, it gets a little bit tougher each year, but if you do your work, you can still do well. And that's why we've – in fact, uh, three of the last five years, we've won two out of every three bowl game that we've released. And this year, there's 44 of them. This is a crazy game because you have two ba- really backup quarterbacks that look good down the stretch – this is Indiana's first appearance in any Florida Bowl ever. Tennessee, as you know, used to be in the Gator Bowl all the time, seventh uh, Gator Bowl. Tennessee's three wins this year were over bowl teams. They had three wins over bowl teams. Indiana, none. Indiana, one-dimensional. And they're going for their first bowl win since the 1991, remember this one, Copper Bowl. So... I just don't think that the talent level for Indiana is quite where it is at Tennessee. And I think Tennessee is is just a little bit better in the trenches here. But it's going to be entertaining. I have Tennessee winning 31-27. to I like Tennessee. The best line on this game, I think, is to play the over. It's 51. Remember, once you get to some of these bowl games, these kids are not going through as many tackling drills. They've been off for a while. Tackling is optional. I like the over best, over 51 total points. Lean to Tennessee. All right. So Tennessee to cover, but really like the over in, right. uh, in that matchup in the Gator Bowl. Alabama and Michigan. So I mentioned that both Tennessee and Indiana seemed like teams that would be motivated right. and excited to be playing there. I'm not sure that I feel that way with these two teams. So is the question which of these two teams – is more interested in being there, or is there a different way to look at it? Maybe a similar thing. I like the over the best here. Alabama's going to score on everyone. They're going to score 35 to 50 points in this game. The question is, can Alabama hold Michigan to, let's say, 20, 25 points? I don't know if they can. They have a couple more starters that decided to turn pro. Can you imagine walking in back in the day, into Bear Bryant's office or Woody Hayes' office and tell them, nah, you know what, I'm going pro, I'm going to sit this one out. They tell you, get on the field, put your gear on, and then you're going to run for two hours after practice. I just don't think Bama's going to be up for this game. Their defense, not great. They gave up 46 to LSU, 48 to, to Auburn. Michigan's defense couldn't hold down Ohio State. So the only thing that makes me lean Alabama in the game is the Big Ten teams, one and five, straight up and against the spread, the last six Citrus Bowls. Alabama 45-35 over Michigan, but the strongest player also is the over, over 59.5 total points. 45-35. That's a lot of points we're talking yeah. about. So uh, maybe that would be an easy over. Yep. Let's go to Music City, Mississippi State, Louisville. I don't know if weather will be a factor. This seems like one of those games where some years it is colder than the North Pole, and then some years right. it's really not so bad. It was not bad last year when Auburn absolutely routed Purdue. Mississippi State, four-point favorite over Louisville. Last time we saw Mississippi State, uh, they get the win in the Egg Bowl, 21-20 over Ole Miss. Last time we saw Louisville, really got popped pretty good in the mouth by Kentucky in the uh, the rivalry game there in the Commonwealth. So what do we do with this one? So I, this is crazy. <laughs> I, I think we're going to see a wide-open game here also, as long as the weather holds. 
fun kid to watch is this kid Tutu Atwell, actually from Miami. He's listed at five nine, one fifty six. He probably goes five seven and a half, five eight, one fifty. Mm. Uh, no Florida school recruited him. Maybe the fastest player in college football, certainly in the top five. And then Louisville likes to run the football, but their defense gave up more than thirty four points in nine to twelve games. Mississippi State's defense gave up plus thirty one points in nine to twelve games. They like to run the ball, not as balanced as as Louisville is, but Hill almost thirteen hundred and fifty yards, and both Schrader and Tommy Stevens combined for eight hundred and ninety seven yards and nine touchdowns here. I think the over is the way to go here. Uh, I have Louisville covering. I have the final score here is uh, 38-35, uh, but uh, in Mississippi State's favor. But I like the over here, over 63 total points. Three games where I like the over best. So that's three games and three overs that you like. Um, let's go to the, the two semifinal games yep. uh, where the stakes are so very high and you know that everybody is invested and engaged. Um Let's go with the second semifinal first out in uh, out in Phoenix and Glendale. Clemson as a two point favorite over Ohio State. You're gonna give me a little wrong team favorite here. I don't know. Here's here's the problem for Ohio State. They have to be kicking themselves. All they need to do is come out from the start of the game and dominate like they did the second half, and they're in the number one spot, and they get to play Oklahoma. They blew it. Now they got to face maybe the best team. It's a team that won the national title last year. What did they do? They go undefeated, and they're ranked number three. I think they're playing with a chip on their shoulder. The offensive skill players in this game may be the best we've ever seen in a college football game with both teams. you got a quarterback for Ohio State. I think he was 38 touchdowns, two interceptions. J.K. Dobbins, one of the best running backs we've seen last decade. Three good but not great receivers, three real good receivers. On a scale of 1 to 10, those skill guys are probably an 8.5, maybe a 9. But okay. Clemson's, I mean, you got Lawrence, Trevor Lawrence, maybe the best quarterback coming out of college football the last decade, maybe. Travis Etienne, so good, one of the best running backs I've ever seen, and he doesn't get a whole lot of notoriety. And two receivers that are six four that can run like the wind and maybe jump up to total 14, 15 feet. I just think that uh, Clemson's a little bit better in playing with a chip on their shoulder in a shootout. I like Clemson, 38-34. 38-34. If we get that in the nightcap on the 28th, that Saturday night, we will all be smiling ourselves to sleep. The earlier game is going to be played in Atlanta, where LSU played just a couple of weeks ago. Uh, LSU a 13-point favorite, but big news yesterday from yep. both of these teams uh, with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, uh, hamstring injury, questionable for the game, and three suspensions for an Oklahoma team that's already a 13-point underdog. What do we do here? I just don't I don't know how Oklahoma's going to stay with LSU. I think LSU's run defense is going to shut down Oklahoma's uh, running game and, and going to make them one-dimensional. And that could be a problem for Oklahoma. I think LSU might end up getting five, six sacks in the game here, even though Hurts is so mobile. Oklahoma's defense, they just don't get off blocks and make enough plays. And without one of their best defensive linemen, that's a problem. Joe Burrow just has not had a bad game. He's completed 77.9% of his passes. I like LSU. Sometimes you got to lay it if you want to play it. I like LSU big, 48-28. Ooh, big number there. So that will be the blowout game in the uh, playoff yeah. semifinals. Lee, tell everybody how they can get uh, all of your bowl and postseason NFL stuff. So this is what I'm, I have a, a – 
free play on the Auburn-Minnesota game. If they want to get that, call 800-400-9741. And we're on a run right now in college basketball, 9-2 and two run. And last night we had Utah, against, believe it or not, against Kentucky, 6-rated Kentucky. That went out right. I found a game. I rate my games from 10 to 50 units. Last five years we've had seven 50-unit plays, hit all seven. We've only had two 40-unit plays this year in college basketball, hit both of them. I have a 50-unit play tonight in college basketball. Not a high-profile game at all. Most people won't even know where these these colleges even uh, reside in, but they want to get this game. I'll give it to them for free. Free 50-unit play, biggest play of the year in college basketball. Just call 800-400-9741. Get that for free, and if they want to join me for the bowl season, three of the last five years, we've hit at least two out of every three bowl games. Get the last two weeks of the NFL season, 44 bowl games, NFL playoffs, and Super Bowl, just two ninety seven. It's available right now, ParamountSports.com. Lee, you're the best. Thanks, man. Yeah, yeah we're going to pick back. We're, we're going to take off uh, next few weeks, and we'll pick it back up uh, the Thursday uh, before Super Bowl where I'll be on Radio Row here in Miami. Sounds great. Thank you, my friend. Okay. Thanks, Richard. Big ticket underscore J13. That is the Instagram name, handle, whatever, for the big ticket James Wiseman. This afternoon, today I formally withdrew from the University of Memphis, and I will be preparing for the next chapter of my life. Ever since I was a little kid, it's been a dream of mine to play in the NBA. Throughout this process... I've asked God to ordain my steps and lead me in the right direction. God is my Lord and salvation, and throughout this process, he has comforted me. This was not how I expected my freshman season to be, but I'm thankful for everyone who has supported my family and me throughout this process. I want to thank the coaches and staff for all their support and my teammates for pushing me every day at practice. I feel blessed for the opportunity to be a Tiger and for having the honor to play with these special group of guys. I can't wait to see what all they accomplish this season. The friends and fans of Tiger Nation will always hold a place in my heart. Hashtag Go Tigers Go with some emojis. How about that return on investment? Three games in an NCAA investigation. Maybe this Um, is going to be the tipping point for the farce that is the one-and-done rule. Maybe this will be it. I don't know. Probably not, but it needs to be. It is cha- like it's on its way, right? They just had some kind of grace period that the NBA is going to change their age limit. That doesn't need to. Yeah, be I think it's a couple period. of years away, right? Just, just, just move forward. Twenty twenty one. Like LeBron James's kid will be able to go straight to the NBA. That worked out okay for LeBron. Yeah, how it's amazing how that worked out, right? But. Uh, the goal of theirs is to play in the league at the same time, and apparently that very well could happen at least one year sooner because he will be, I think, in the first class of kids that is able to go, if I remember correctly. How do we correctly. know this kid's good enough to play in the NBA? He's like 13. We don't, yeah. Can we, can we, get, Frank Gore, can we get Frank Gore Jr. into the NFL with his dad at the same time? Can, can Frank Gore run the ball until he's 40? We're going to have to find out. Yeah. Uh, 15. Yeah. So, when I saw the news, I thought, well, that's the least surprising thing I'm going to read today. 
That's what but we were saying so he should do. So many of the when... reactions, so many of the reactions, Borky, were like, wow, oh my goodness, huge news in college basketball. And when I see reactions like that, I'm like, okay, are you just shocked by everything? <laughs> do you believe anything that you use your fat thumbs to type into your Twitter on your phone? Or are you just looking for a reaction? Because the how are you actually up. surprised? Yeah. Well, because they gave him a finite time and the suspension wasn't that long. You're not like you didn't ever anticipate him to play January 12th or whatever it was when he could come back. No, I'm, I'm not saying that I didn't anticipate. I mean, I guess at this point I kind of thought, well, maybe he'll stick it out. But a reaction of You're talking to James Wiseman choosing to skip the rest of college after being suspended for a dozen games? Oh, my goodness, I can't believe it! Isn't the fine probably the bigger reason that he left? Because Does he have to pay the fine now? Surely not, right? No, he's uh, avoided all NCAA anything. Because what are they going to say? Out. If you don't pay, you're not eligible. Well, well, I left the team. So, I mean, what are they going to do? Hey, he. you know what he ought to do? Once he signs with an agent, he ought to get $11,000 in pennies <laughs> and go dump them in Mark Emmert's driveway. <laughs> I mean it. I know, I'm, Take, I know, I'm get, with get $11,000 worth of pennies, load them into the back of a dump truck, and then back the dump truck into the Indianapolis lovely suburban home of Mark Emmert, I'm sure, and press the button that begins to elevate that dump truck and just have it spill $11,000 worth of pennies. So I, I, I made myself look here. And if I'm correct, this is the Mississippi State Extension Office answering this question for us on uh, Google. A ton of pennies would be $363.54. We're talking about like... How many tons? Fifteen tons of pennies? That's an well, airdrop. It's hundred and ten thousand pennies, right? If you airdrop that onto his house, you could decimate it. No, I, I'm not suggesting decimating his house. Yeah. But take thirty tons of pennies. And yeah, I mean that, that, you need that's you it. need an armored truck. You need like two or three, probably sixty thousand pounds of pennies. And dump them into Mark Emmert's driveway and say, here's your $11,000 for charity. Distribute it as you see fit, my gray-haired friend. I, w- I want it dumped in his swimming pool because you know he has one. Just wake up, just wakes up, goes outside, is going to put his feet in the pool. Nope, 60,000 pennies are there. Well, that would be a very uh, Scrooge McDuck opportunity. That, now we're talking, yeah. Okay, so having fun with it aside... And that kind of me siding with James Wiseman on this whole thing. Um, but really just siding with any opportunity to go full on Tom Herman on the NCAA. <laughs> if you're listening earlier, you catch that reference. Uh, Memphis, Laird Veach, the athletics director at the University of Memphis. I mean, publicly, he's going to sign off. They're going to wish him the best and all those things. But does he go into his office and put his elbows on his desk mm. and then just drop his his forehead into the palm of his hand and kind of rub his temple with his his temples with his thumbs a little bit? What were you thinking? 
because Memphis came out guns a-blazing. We will not stand for this injustice. We will stand with James Wiseman. We will fight with James Wiseman. He will play. He will play. While also publicly admitting that they did exactly what they were alleged of doing. It's an incredible thing. This isn't over for them. He played. Oh, yeah. And then he played again. And then the NCAA said, okay, we're coming. We'll be there. And then Memphis said, well, hold on a second. But hold on a second. We'll sit him. Let's work something out to get him eligible again. You want to talk about overplaying your hand. Bluffing with a two and a three is your hold card. My goodness. Not that he owes anyone anything, but he did kind of put them in a bad spot by not doing this immediately and then allowing them to go on this assault and then be like, actually, nah, playing a board. Yeah. But I think I think it's the fine, Rippy. I think it's if they had just suspended him for a few games, he'd have walked away. But he's not gonna come off come off of this money. If he doesn't have to, why would he? And I, I don't, I don't blame him for doing it. But wouldn't you know that as soon as the fine hit? I guess I don't know. I mean, you're probably right now. Now that I'm thinking about it, you're probably right. But I mean, he doesn't really owe anyone anything, and I'm not necessarily like blaming him. But no, that really, no, he does put the school in kind of a a crappy position. Th- there's no question. I mean, J- Memphis went to bat for James Wiseman. And after three or four weeks, he goes, yeah, th- thanks for that, guys, but I- I'm out. I owe you one. Unless. I appreciate you. Unless there is more that has been uncovered and we don't know. And Memphis said to James Wiseman and to the NCAA, you know, we were told repeatedly that, no, there is no negotiating that happens behind closed doors. What if maybe there actually is some negotiating. And what if the NCAA didn't play all their cards but put a couple of cards out and said, look, this is what we've got. You don't really want to go down this road. And Memphis and James Wiseman agreed that, eh, you know what, we'd probably better just move on. I'm not saying that that's what happened. I'm just saying, what if that's what happened? That would make a lot of sense. Yeah. I mean, that that's not like tinfoil hat stuff, is it? No, not at all. No. I mean, that as I think it was Rippy said, they're not done with Memphis yet. No. And it, unless, unless this was the way that Memphis got the NCAA to say, yeah, we're, we can be done here. Yeah. We got a lot going on, and we really don't have time to mess with you. We don't care about you that much. That doesn't really fit the NCAA's MO at all. It does not. Particularly once they're dug in. I'm not, I get I get the point you're trying to make. I don't buy that, though. I don't think they're done. Thanks now, don't to Stephen, by the way. Be- that's three tons of pennies. Do what now? Stephen on the text line says that is three tons worth of pennies, by the way. Three tons? Thought Hey Dad said a ton was three hundred dollars worth of pennies. So that's Steven not right, Hey Dad. Yes. Uh, yeah, I, I got a buddy of mine that bought two hundred dollars worth of pennies, and it's like ten boxes. It's not two thousand pounds. Well, Bad math, Hey Dad. Hey, I didn't do it.
He's now double-checking his Google machine. I am. Regardless, 110,000 pennies is a bunch. Make a nice little pile in the old driveway of the commish. C Spire text line 601-879-4395. A ton of pennies is $3,632. The weight of $11,000 worth of pennies would apparently depend on what type of pennies were used. There are approximately 145 copper pennies in a pound. There are approximately 181 copper-plated zinc pennies in a pound. There are approximately 168 steel pennies in a pound. Pennies a penny, nerd. (laughs) (laughs) 1.1 million pennies equals $11,000. Man, we got a lot of fingers and toes that are being used. A lot of it was fingers the Michigan and toes. State Extension Office, by the way. So we won't put that on Mississippi State. Wait, you said you you said Mississippi well, it said, State. It said the, uh, the I didn't click on the link. I just clicked on like the little blurb. A little blurb was there, and it said MSU Extension Office. And I was like, I wonder if this is that. But then I clicked on the link. It is the Michigan State. I'll send you the link. You don't believe me, sir? No, I believe you. Right. I believe you. Because I had a buddy of mine that sent me some uh, a message that said. <laughs> That's some bumpkin math. Thanks a lot, Mississippi State Extension Office. <laughs> Based on what you said, hey, Dad. It's it's Michigan State. Yes. The bad MSU. Uh, I suppose if you really wanted to, if you wanted to place an $11,000 bet and you had a dump truck full of pennies, the good folks at the sportsbook at Timeout Lounge would figure out a way to help you Drag it in. Yeah. I think. I don't know. Just call Wells Fargo and tell me you need an armored truck to show up at this dude's house with him, with that much in pennies. They might say we really appreciate your patronage, but uh, you're going to need to come back with some cold, hard cash. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. You make it happen, yeah. Time for the Pearl River Resort Sportsbook at Timeout Lounge. Pick of the day. Got a trip coming up there before too terribly longer. I think maybe during bowl season. Certainly going to be there during basketball, as uh, that will be just around the corner as uh, as well. So NC State at Auburn. The SEC was brutal last night. Two and five as a league. Some bad losses. Not going to have one of those tonight. Auburn only undefeated team in the SEC. Sitting at nine and zero, NC State eight and two on the year. Auburn Arena will be hopping tonight at eight o'clock. I know students are out of school, but they have turned that into a great home court environment. Let's lay the seven and a half and take the Auburn Tigers at home against NC State. Oh, and if this doesn't work out, I may go with Rippy's rule, like uh, betting on Mississippi State during the year. You're done. We're done betting. The SEC is favorites. What's the uh, what's the line for uh, Lakers and Bucks tonight? Uh, I'm glad you asked. The That's Lakers, a huge NBA game, who are 24 and four on the year, that they are against the Milwaukee Bucks, who are also 24 and four on the year. Mm-hmm. Giannis and the Bucks, four and a half point favorites at home. All right, so something's got to give, man. Milwaukee's oh, yeah. 13 and two at home. Lakers are 14 and two on the road. 
Is Anthony Davis healthy now? That's that's the question. Yeah, he he's questionable for tonight. We'll see what happens. Kuzma's not he never playing, but... is. Oh, will you stop it? Look, the bitter Pelicans fan. Sorry, we sold you a bill of goods with Lonzo Ball in that group. Uh, well, Lonzo is. I mean, he stinks out loud. However, Brandon Ingram's the top ten scorer in the league at twenty two years old, and Josh Hart's a great role player. And we control the Lakers draft until my kid is in college. So congrats on those. Think it'll be okay. That thirtieth pick in the draft is going to be fantastic. Yeah, and then Anthony Davis is going to go to Chicago, and the Lakers will go back in the tank. And now you're just making stuff up. Things. Hey, Borky. Porky, I think this this Anthony Davis Lebron James marriage thing's working. Oh yeah, it will. And whatever they give the runner up to the other team in LA will be sweet for them because they're not beating the Clippers. You don't think the Lakers will beat the Clippers? Not even close. They don't have enough wings. They have the, the Clippers have three of the best four, three of the best four two wings, and two of the best three three way players in the NBA. LeBron, mm. like getting to the last four minute of a playoff series with the Clippers. Regular season is different. Looking forward to it. It'll be fun television. I guess I'm not saying they can't, but I would definitely favor the Clippers. And Kawhi will be healthy and rested because of load management. Load management. What a load that is. Sports Talk Mississippi with you. Two hours in the books. College football fix coming your way next. We're laying the 7.5 with the Auburn Tigers at home tonight against NC State as the Pearl River Resort pick of the day. We're back after this in the Renaissance Bank Studio. Renaissance Bank, understanding you. Great song. Great song. Especially when it's Hall and Oates. It's Hall and Oates. That's, that's what makes it great. Sports Talk Mississippi with you six days away from Christmas. Rolling into the 5 o'clock hour on this Thursday. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, and Brian Scott Rippey. Sports Talk brought to you by Mississippi Land Bank online at mslandbank.com. Mississippi Land Bank, where they know the lay of the land. Check them out. Again, the website, mslandbank.com, if you've got land financing or refinancing needs of any kind. It is just after 5 o'clock, and that means it's time for the College Football Fix. College Football Fix is driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Log on to buyfordnow.com. Find out why the best-selling trucks are built Ford Tough. There's some deals to be had still at the end of the year. You go to your local Mississippi Ford dealer and say, Hey, I'm looking for a deal. End of the month, end of the year, you got some 2019s left. Know there's some big savings. Can you put me in an F-150? Can you put me in an SUV? And they will say, man, can we? Or ma'am, can we? Perhaps. I was actually perusing the uh, Ford website just a little while ago. Just kind of thinking, you know, maybe it's time. I I mentioned that to my wife yesterday, and she kind of gave me the side eye, Borky. Kind of earned it. You think I earned it? (laughs) 
Why did I earn it? Well, you know. I get swap trucks. Yeah, I mean, you can give me one while you're at it. Well, no, I don't have the ability to go and buy you one also. You can no, leave it but... in my driveway with a little bow on top. It'd be great. Well, so what, you can yell at me for getting you something, a, a gift? See, I think I would appreciate that one. It'd be a little different. Uh, it would don't certainly be turning don't, don't over a new it. leaf for you. Don't risk it. Get get it for me. <laughs> get it for you instead. Yeah. And I'll just give my car to the little guy. I'll leave it in the driveway and hand it to him when he's 15. It'll be great. You think your car will still run when he's 15? Think you'll still be driving it then, Borky? I hope not. You hope it doesn't run, or you hope you're not still driving? I hope I'm not still driving it. I hope I get to the point where it's where I can buy a. I mean, it's already eight years old anyway. So I thought you were a drive it till the wheels fall off kind of guy. I am, but I just hope the wheels fall off by the time my two month old is driving. <laughs> that is that is fair. All right, so the college football fix driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Oklahoma LSU looks a little bit different than it did just a couple of days ago. Let's start with the LSU side of things. LSU could be without a key piece of their offense. Running back Clyde Edwards-Hilaire suffered an injury at practice on Tuesday. That was according to multiple sources. This story kind of coming out yesterday, and then last night Ed Ogeron uh, confirmed during a news conference that uh, there was indeed an injury. The severity of of the injury, a hamstring, is uh, enough that many around the program expect him to uh, miss the game against the Oklahoma Sooners. Hey, Dad, if you need me to clear that up for you, that's a a lower body. Yeah, I I wasn't sure what was going on there. At least they called it an injury, though. My favorite thing, and reporters do it now, too, is this player's out with an ankle. Or this player has an ankle. Or a knee. It's like, well, I hope he has two of them. Yeah. That's kind of like when somebody says, man, we got some weather coming. Oh, really? <laughs> no way. You mean kind of like every second of every day? You can't not have weather coming. Uh, Ogeron told reporters he's uncertain of the extent of the injury and called Edward Hilaire, quote, questionable, close quote. Could not practice Wednesday. Expected to undergo tests. Quote from Ed Ogeron, I don't know the extent of the injury. Went to get test. He could not practice today. Uh, Ogeron has listed Edward Solaire, as I mentioned, a second ago as questionable for the semifinal. A lot of people around the LSU program are not expecting him to play uh, against the Sooners. The goal is to have him return for a potential national championship game. How big a deal of the... Let me try that again in English. How big a deal is this to LSU against Oklahoma? Well, Burrow hey, will just. Oh, I'm, All right, sorry. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead, Borky. Burrow will throw for 450 instead of 350. So, same result. Yeah, but Edwards Hilaire is an important part of that offense. I mean, it's not the sexy part, but he's part of what makes it go. Their play action game is pretty special. And he's yeah, he a, what? a lot of things, too. 12, 1,300 yard, 1200 yard rusher? Yeah. Be good for Kylan Hill if you missed a game. Could probably seal up being the SEC's leading rusher. Uh, that said, for me, it, this is, a, it, it's a big deal, but I agree with what Borky said. It doesn't change the result. You know, it might make it, it might make it a little more difficult for LSU to get there, but they're still going to win the football game. What do you think, Rippy? Big deal, not insurmountable. 
Okay. So everybody's kind of on the uh, same front there. So that's kind of the bad news on the LSU side of things, but they're not alone. L- uh, Oklahoma also with some bad news. Suspension-related news. The Oklahoma Sooners will be without at least three players for their CFP semifinal game against LSU because of suspensions. And some weird language or, or, or some weird um, quotes from Lincoln Riley. So it wasn't immediately clear if the players who are starting defensive end Ronnie Perkins, running back Ramondre Stevenson, and receiver Trey John Bridges, not immediately clear if they would also miss the national championship game if Oklahoma were able to pull off the upset. Lincoln Riley would not address the suspensions during his National Signing Day news conference yesterday. His quote, I'm aware of the report that is out there. Unfortunately, at this time, I cannot comment on it. He can comment on it. He chooses not to. Cannot is not yeah. the, uh, the right term. I will not yeah. comment on it. Yes. Yes. I am unable. No, you are able. You're just not willing. That's, yeah. that's a good point. We are... Uh, we're, we're we're doing some serious wordsmithing today. It, it needs to be that way, though. It's, it's Riley like didn't say when he would be able. Up. Yeah, it's like a dad thing. It's like, can I do this, Dad? I don't know. Can you? May I do it? You know, be, yeah. will he, he? He he could easily do it. He could open his mouth and the words could come out, and we'll know the truth. Yeah, he will not do it though. Why yeah. is it so difficult for coaches to be honest? It's not like not commenting on it gives you a competitive advantage in the game. You, I mean, do you honestly think that not telling LSU whether or not you're going to suspend these players, even though the report is already out there that they are, is really going to change the way they prepare for you? You don't think that LSU and all of their analysts and coaches and stuff for the next eight days are going to make sure they know every detail about you, whether these kids play or not? So why go through the charade? Yes, this player is suspended for this game. There's a chance he can come back in the national championship. We haven't decided yet. Why is that answer so hard to to say out loud? My, my, my only potential defense here for Lincoln Riley is that maybe he has been told not to comment on it because of some sort of ongoing investigation. Then he will not comment on it. No, I agree. It's not that he can't. It's that he won't. Uh, Lincoln Riley did not say when he would be able to address the suspensions. He is not scheduled to meet with the media again until the Sooners arrive in Atlanta for the Peach Bowl, which is a week from Saturday at 4 o'clock Eastern. Speaking of that, did you see that Georgia is not at all speaking to the media before the Sugar Bowl? Not at all. Players, right? Yeah, nobody. I don't think assistant coaches either. He cited class schedule, too. And classes are over. Classes are out. Yeah, yeah. And you can get into the game for $5, by the way, if you want to go to the Sugar Bowl. Uh, Tickets are cheap. But there's something about Kirby Smart every year that makes me wonder if he actually can handle this. And this is one of those times. This just seems so unnecessary. Before the Sugar Bowl, you won't let the media talk to anybody, and then you give us a... I mean, you lie about Say the it. reason why. Yeah, it's a lie. Yeah. What's the point of that? I spent all day yesterday in the war room with Joe Moorhead as he was calling recruits and everything, and you know, nobody died. So yeah. Well, it'd, it'd be gonna, an upper body if they did. But 
I guess you're right because the brain would go. Yeah, that makes sense. He's right. He's a doctor. This doesn't help the kids either. Like, this stuff doesn't fly in professional locker rooms. You're doing a disservice to them. It doesn't fly in high school. If you want to talk to a high school kid, just go on the field and talk to him. Well, and and how refreshing. I mean, we've gotten to hear a lot from Joe Burrow this year. And guess what? He can handle it. And you know why part of the reason is that he handled charity. all of the Heisman stuff so well and all the interviews that go along with that? Because it's not like it was the first time he had talked to the media. See Laramie Tunsil. Yeah. Who, that by was... the way, is just charismatic as can be in a great interview, as it turns out. Wish we could have found out while he was here. Sports Talk Mississippi in the Renaissance Bank Studio. Back with you on Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming online at supertalk.fm. How about this? Have you guys seen this uh, George Schrader at uh, USA Today? I've seen Garrett Schrader. Due to staff reductions, today is my last day at USA Today Sports. I follow that guy. He's He's a good writer. He's a really good writer. And, I mean, maybe everybody at some point has one of those moments. But he's not one of the, um, like, shock value guys. Just no, a good he's writer. A, he's a writer, yeah. 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 Well, Gannett got a, a new buyer that promised uh, millions in cuts. And so good people lose jobs because of mismanaged media conglomerates what it comes down to I'm not proud of what I just did but never mind Which? nope he's still he's still there never mind what did you so do? a guy like George Schrader loses his job and yet others stay on I, I see what you're driving at Sports Talk Mississippi the C Spire text line is open 601-879-4395. 601-879-4395. The number on the C Spire text line. Mike, you just texted in what I alluded to, but I'm not going to say it out loud. I checked, too. Everybody was thinking it. Okay. Yes, Dan Wolkin still has a job. <laughs> That's y'all's guy. That's... Nope. What? Stop. 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 What, what, what's happening right now? I was about to say something over the radio into this microphone that I could have potentially don't, regretted. Don't, don't do that. I just pressed pause on that thought. It's, it's Christmas time. Yes, it's been nice. Let's talk college football. Let's talk some bowl games. Do you realize that the bowl season begins tomorrow? Yes, it does. Buffalo and Charlotte in the Bahamas Bowl. Are you watching? What time is the game? One o'clock. Yes. TV in the studio? Well, I mean, it's at one o'clock, so I mean, I'll just watch. Well, I understand, but football games usually last more than two hours. I just pulled up on the laptop here. There you go. Buffalo and Charlotte both seven and five on the year. One o'clock Central Time kickoff on ESPN. 
from um, Nassau. The Makers Wanted Bahamas Bowl. <laughs> you remember when we did when we went down the the whole road yeah. of what Makers Wanted? It's all about. Which who was the one that it's not a real thing? Was it Dreamhouse or something? Two they, they, they they found out it wasn't a real company, and they pulled the uh, the plug on it. I'm not aware of this. That happened like a month ago. Let me see if I can find it. it was, oh, it was I completely missed that story. It was the one that was in. It's in Arizona. Sorry. Well, where did their money from the sponsorship come from if it wasn't an actual company? All right, here it is. This is from Sports Illustrated. It was the New Mexico Bowl. It was the Dreamhouse Productions. They dropped their title sponsor after three weeks, learning the company had no Albuquerque business license and, for all intents and purposes, did not exist. But had they paid for the sponsorship? Uh, just if I'm reading this correctly, it doesn't appear so. Oh, okay. So, yeah. Well, got some publicity. The check came out of due, it. and they did. Yeah, and the check came due, and they were like, "Oh, we're not for real." Yeah, it's not really. Uh, we're not really an entity. Um, that was an opportunity. The Tropical Smoothie Cafe, which is a thing, Frisco Bowl tomorrow night with Utah State and Kent State. Is that guy playing? Jordan Love, the quarterback. The quarterback for Utah State. Yeah, is he playing? I know he declared for the draft. I don't know if he's playing in this game or not. I don't know. Is there a comprehensive list somewhere where you can look at all of the players who are not playing in bowl games? There needs to be one. Maybe we can be the innovators in that regard. Yeah. It is kind of funny. Basically, in the same weekend, or in the same near future, you have the Frisco Bowl, which has a literal That would be the in... Tropical Smoothie Cafe Frisco Bowl. Thank you very much. Oh, forgive me. Branding. Um, <laughs> I guess they do pay for it, don't they? Uh, they have a literal beach in the end zone for this Ooh. game, and it's probably going to be 50 degrees, but they have a beach in the end zone, and across town, they're playing an outdoor hockey game. The Winter Classics in Dallas. Yeah. <laughs> when you say beach in the end, you don't mean like in the actual end zone. Just beyond one of okay. the end zones, they have a full-on, they imported sand and have a beach for the bowl game. Yeah. Several bowl games on Saturday. Central Michigan, San Diego State in the New Mexico Bowl. Liberty and Georgia Southern in the FBC Mortgage Cure Bowl. That's on CBS Sports Network, if you are so inclined. You going to watch that, Rippy? I guess. SMU and Florida Atlantic, FAU. Conference USA champs against the 10-2 and two Ponies. That's at 2.30 on ABC in the Cherubundi Boca Raton Bowl. We, FAU we kind of, playing in their home stadium, right? uh, Wasn't Cherubundi like a uh, an antioxidant loaded drink or something? I think so. Yeah. Is well, it on the NCAA list of banned substances, or players can drink that while now playing? Now that would be funny, and completely in line with what the NCAA would do. They would take money from a product that, if a student athlete used it, it would get them banned. I well, can completely see fairness, that. In fairness, the NCAA is not getting money from that. You know what I'm saying? Somebody's getting money. FIU and Arkansas State in the Camellia Bowl, Montgomery, Alabama, playing at Crampton Bowl Stadium. How about the Las Vegas Bowl? It's a great time slot. 
They used to play this game early. Now it's at 6.30 Central time. That's a fun matchup. Nine or, uh, Number 19, 12-1 Boise State against a name-brand team from the Pac-12, Washington. Sam Boyd Stadium. The Mitsubishi Motors Las Vegas Bowl. Borky, is it next year that the SEC becomes involved with that game? Yeah. Yeah, and it's in the new stadium, too, in Vegas. I mean, that thing's done. They, I mean, the Raiders are moving over. That will be an awesome bowl trip. You just you hope you get a chance to actually go to it. Fingers crossed! Which fan base in the SEC LSU. would LSU. travel best to the Las Vegas Bowl? Not only is the answer LSU for travel best in terms of numbers, they would travel best in terms of the best possible stories you could get out of it. You think LSU fans would be more likely to go to Vegas than the other 13 fan bases? Yes, that's what I'm saying. But but, but okay, Let, let's put the qualifier on this, though, for a second. Mm. And I don't know if the SEC goes in year one of this agreement or if it's year two, because they're rotating with the Big Ten, right? Uh, some, or, I know it's the Pac-12, I think. I thought the Pac-12 was the permanent. Okay, okay then then you're probably right. Then yeah, I, I I don't remember the exact details. But let's think this through for a second. You're not taking a 10-win SEC team to this game. I get what. No, it, it, we're talking about in a vacuum here. Yeah, I mean, oh yeah, yes, in a vacuum. But an yeah. eight and four. What what eight and four team would well, travel? But that's the that's the thing to though. Vegas. If if you had a what you what a big school would consider a disappointing season, an eight and four, seven and five kind of year, getting to go to Vegas is is an attractive trip okay. for that. Thing. I mean, if your choices are you know Las Vegas or no offense Nashville, Charlotte, yeah, I'm going to Vegas. You, know? you can literally bet on the game while yes. you're at the game. Yes. All right, hey Dad, question for you, Le- legit yes. question. If Mississippi State, hmm. if the, the Las Vegas Bowl in a brand-new stadium was on the table, would Mississippi State take more fans this year, right now, mm-hmm. to Nashville for the Music City Bowl or to Las Vegas? I'm going to say Nashville because of the proximity and the, that. Just but, the cost. Yeah. But most years, I would think the, the, the Las Vegas is a, I mean, that's a good trip. At least it is for me, anyway. Appalachian State and UAB, that could be a good one tomorrow night on ESPN. 8 o'clock kickoff. The RL Carriers New Orleans Bowl. And you take a break on Sunday. Then we get back into more bowl games on Monday. It's what we used to call meat week next week leading up to Christmas. Oh, so good. Sports Talk Mississippi. In the- a Super Talk Mississippi media production.